Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today we're joined by Matt Urbanski from Bite Me To Sport Fishing. Matt, thanks for joining the show. Thank you very much for having me on, Chris. Appreciate the opportunity. Matt, you're located in Bronte on the west side of Lake Ontario. You're between Toronto and Hamilton. Can you tell us a little bit about the fishing in your area? Fishing in our area has been fantastic this year. We've been truly spoiled with what has been nothing short of a decadent fishery. Uh, the last week, though, has been a bit of a challenge. We saw the water table turnover, and some colder water has definitely presented a new challenge. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, it's been a great year so far. So uh, obviously, Lake Ontario, the king salmon is king. What is structure like around there? What is it like fishing there for you? Kind of what does your program look like when you're out there? So unlike uh, popular locations like Bluffers, we don't have an enormous drop. Um, we're miles offshore before you can find anything close to a blue zone. So the majority of our fishing is done between 50 and 140 feet. Um, we have a flat bottom structure, which is great for spring fishing, for lake trout, etc. Um, and very good for salmon throughout the entire season. Spreads for us start from anything in the spring from, you know, shallow, shallow planer board programs, uh, junk and long lines, downriggers, dipsies. Matt, you have a unique fishing style that's similar to kind of what you would see in the Pacific Northwest. How would you describe it, your fishing style and kind of what you bring to the table? Sure. So I've really tried to adopt that uh, Western philosophy and program. Um, a lot of what we like to run here, um, I would say baits, tackle, and philosophy would be the three points. I'll start with bait. Uh, baits, I like to run a lot of hole baits. Um, I know strips are really popular in the Great Lakes. I like running eight-inch hole herring, uh, five-and-a-half-inch plus anchovies. We run them with a Rye Davies head, either clean or with a Twinkie rig. Um, as far as paddles and tackle, we use a lot of Kingfisher 2s, which are really popular from Gibbs Delta. Um, Oki Big Shooters, something similar to this, which would be a, a Super Betsy with a chrome and a glow flash on the back. Um, aside from the meat program, we've adopted a lot of what they do out west with their hardware as well. Um, something really popular out west is called the Skinny G. It's a quarter ounce spoon. It's very light, uh, probably the same weight as a trolling fly. Gives you lots of flexibility for speed uh, behind a paddle at a variety of distances. I run anywhere from three feet to 12 feet. And some guys look at me strange when my Twinkie rigs are 14 feet. Makes it very difficult to net, but sometimes makes the difference for me. Um, long lines and such, we adapt a lot of what they use out west with their G-Force program. They make these spoons in a four, uh, three, four, and six inch. Um, I really like them in anything from a trailhead to the herring aid, which is probably the most popular pattern out west that's been very dominant on the Great Lakes last year and also this year. Um, hoochies are also something that I like to play around with that's uh, very popular out west. A little heavier than our traditional uh, trolling fly. Gives you a little more flexibility in current and with speed and with running a variety of spreads where you don't have to be two, 2.1, 2.2, you can run faster. Um, yeah, I guess the other part there too would be the tackle. Um, we run a lot of mooching outfits on all of our riggers, uh, 10 foot six rods, which would seem really long to the traditional Great Lakes fishermen. Lots of playability, lots of leverage, lots of fun. 
Uh, you can still control a fish and pull them up the runway behind the boat without a problem. Um, we pair those with a mooching reel for those that aren't familiar with them. Very similar to a center pin with a one-to-one -one ratio. So as opposed to a level wind where one crank equals six turns of the reel, etc., every one rotation is one rotation. That fish runs at the boat, you got a crank to keep up with them. He takes off, he takes off. I attribute it a lot to driving stick versus an automatic. I'd say a level wind is more like an automatic and a uh, mooching outfit would be like driving stick. So you do have a drag, you have the ability to palm, you have the ability to play a fish, gives you that direct connection with the fish. The fight's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that in itself is probably one of the biggest attributes we've adopted from out west, but um, a lot of how they fish is very similar to us, although in the Great Lakes, we predominantly focus on speed and temperature. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a big one for us. Um, out west, I'd say more tide and structure. Tide isn't something we deal with here. We obviously have the water levels that change throughout the season, but not the same way that tide does throughout a day. Um, and structure-wise, again, unless we're fishing, staging fish, and we're bumping bottom with cannonballs and divers, I I'm flat bottom here in the west end of the lake. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess the both apply to both scenarios. Where, where did you learn all these techniques? These are things that, that you don't see in a lot of places on the Great Lakes. So how did you pick up on these things and how did you kind of run with them? So a lot of it has been research. Oddly enough, I guess it all started uh, with a prize package that was awarded to my grandfather back in the 90s where he got a Mitchell uh, center pin mooching reel outfit. And it was always something that I played around with and I was fascinated with. I guess if you go back to the beginning here, we've essentially just replicated you know, the West Coast fishery in here. I mean, it's different, obviously, freshwater, et cetera, but we've taken a, a, an alien species from out West and planted it here. So we have a Pacific salmon here. So why not try some Pacific techniques? They perfected it out West. I consider the West to be the Mecca as far as salmon fishing is concerned. So, I mean, employing some of their tactics and techniques only seemed like the right thing to try. I mean, uh, Again, it's all personal preference. Some guys will swear by hardware. Some guys will swear by uh, meat programs, etc. to each their own. But I employ people to try something new. If something's not working, constantly switch it up and try something new. Yeah, that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. You love to fish with whole baits. What is it about that meat fishing that makes it so effective? So for me, a whole bait gives me the opportunity to tune my role much more than just a, a standard bait head. Although there's a time and place, bait heads with a strip is a, a proven tactic here as well. I mean, again, to each their own, there's no right or wrong. But uh, an eight inch herring in a Rye Davies uh, anchovy bait head with a tandem hook rig allows me to tune and bend that fish to whatever degree I want to ultimately get my roll. I always check my roll before I go down. So run it beside the boat, run it behind on the downrigger, Make sure you have that rotation at least at your surface speed because then you can tailor it with your fish hawk on the down speed, but at least to get started. Um, I don't know. I, I really trying to replicate kind of the real thing and, you know, what looks more like the real thing than, you know, a whole bait. There really is no replacement from Mother Nature. Uh, that scale and shine is something that everyone tries to preserve and replicate during the brining process or the production process of strips. So for me, a whole bait just really kind of stands out and seems to work on a daily basis for me. I mean, again, if it works, it works. I think that brining process is something that probably scares a lot of people away 
from doing this and fishing with whole baits. That's something that you do yourself. You talk a little bit about your brining process and how it works and why you should do it. Sure. Okay. So essentially most of your whole baits or all of your whole baits will come frozen. They're flash frozen alive when they're collected on the West coast. It's basically the process to which they preserve them. It keeps the scales and the lifeliness of the bait itself. Um, I always like to defrost baits fully so that they saturate with whatever brine you're using. Um, in this case, I use a product called Potsky Fire Brine. Works really well for me. It's basically an all-in-one. Uh, it gives you the rigidity, the toughness, the shine, the durability, etc., without having to concoct your own salt distilled water process. It's an all-in-one process. You put your defrosted bait in a Tupperware or in a bag, you add the brine and you let it sit from anywhere between eight to 12 hours before you fish and you're good to go. So not really as complicated, I think, as, as people lay it out to be. I, yeah, honestly, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, meat traditionally scares guys off. You know, if, if you're just getting into salmon fishing, you tend to stick to what you know, trolling flies, spoons, what's kind of easy. Guys start looking at flashers and get confused. Which one do I use? How long do I run them? What do I do? Um, I think the brining process, especially with that particular product, takes all the guesswork out of it. You buy the bait, you defrost it, you add the brine, you let it sit, you take it out, you put it in the water, and it works. Yeah, very cool. You talked a little earlier about hoochies, and I kind of wanted to get into that, that versus just your traditional standard fly that pretty much everybody's using. What are the advantages to going that route as far as you're concerned? Sure, I'll be honest, I run both. Um, the hoochie for me is, again, a little more um, flexible. You can run it uh, at higher speed. So if I'm running a spoon program on my long lines and I want to run hoochies down deep on my rigger, I know that that is still working at that speed versus trolling. You know, I, I troll fast too. I mean, a lot of guys like 1.8 to 2.1, you'll see me out there going by at three and guys will be shaking their head. But I mean, again, to each their own and what works. Um, hoochies really give me that flexibility. The other thing that I do with hoochies and something to try and not be afraid of, I use them for teaser rigs. So for guys that tie their own teaser rigs, um, traditionally known as a Twinkie rig here on the Great Lakes, try it with teasers or with hoochies as opposed to just flies. You get different action in the water um, and you get a different uh, reaction from your bait at the tail end of the line. But yeah, no, hoochies are, are very, um, they, they may give you flexibility and allow you to run a, a variety of speeds in your program and different baits, right? I know you talked about it earlier and kind of went into some of the details a little bit earlier, but can you just kind of give me a, a compare and contrast too between using those single action reels compared to kind of the standard stuff you see on a lot of guys' boats? Um, what is it about that that really makes that something that, that you love to do? And it's really something that I see a lot in the Toronto area, but I don't really see it in a lot of other, in a lot of other uh, boats around the Great Lakes. So what is it about that that kind of draws you to it? I think it's really starting to catch on here. Um, out west, you won't find a single charter boat that's running a level one unless it's for halibut. Everything they run for trolling is, you know, a mooching style outfit. Um, Islander MR3s or TR3s are really popular. I, I think the big thing here is that direct connection with the fish. I mean, we fish because we love it. We all love the thrill of that experience, the tug, the pull, the real screaming, the, the whole experience. And those outfits really put you with that direct connection with the fish. Again, you know, those long rods, if you're a river guy, you're, you're, you know, you're accustomed to a 14 plus three piece and you can lean back and leverage that fish. 
I mean, you have that same playability. You have the backbone you want out of a 10 foot six, but you still get the playability. I mean, I love my wire diver, but when my 10 foot wire diver goes off, it's a telephone pole. You know, the fight is not the same. So, you know, on a 10 foot six uh, mooching outfit, you really get that playability. And again, like I said before, I'm going to attribute it back to driving stick. It, it's got its own sealed drag system, but it also allows you to palm to add extra drag if you want. It really gives you that, that feeling. It's, it's really something you got to experience. And when I get guys out on charter, I got guys who call that want those outfits. Want to go on charter because I want to try out these outfits I've never had the opportunity. Or I get someone new who says, I'm worried, I'm scared to try it. You get them on a fish, they love it. Now they don't want to touch the other. It's, it really is more of a purist, I guess, method to, to fishing. And, you know, something that I, I can't look back now. I mean, I, I love it. I'm, I'm running them wherever I can. Last year we had uh, Steve from Islander out. And we even had them on our dipsies. We were running a depth hunter braid because they don't have a counter on them. So we could tell our depths. We ran MR2s on our dipsies, and it was a blast. I mean, if you haven't tried it, I implore you to try it. Just give it a shot. Very cool. You and your father are both captains. You're second generation. Tell us a little bit about the relationship that you have with your father when it comes to fishing. Sure. I mean, I, I like most, came by salmon fishing, honestly. Um, my grandfather kind of gave my dad the bug, and I grew up fishing with both my grandfather my uncle and my father. Um, we've been fishing, you know, the tournaments here and fishing for fun since I was seven or eight. I mean, it was just something that we did. Um, I don't get to fish as often with my father now as I used to. I wish I did. Um, fishing with family and friends is a special thing. Um, having the time out on the water, you know, with the people that you're closest with, it's an experience. I mean, especially with what's going on now with, you know, COVID, the world, the pandemic, that serene time you have out on the water with that sunset, that sunrise, whether you have fish or not, it's special. And I mean, those trips, especially with family, are even more special. But yeah, I mean, back to my father, um, from a bobber and worm at Rice Lake to trolling paddles for big kings on Lake Ontario, he's, uh, he's always been there to kind of introduce me to that. And he's kind of the reason that I now guide. Uh, I mean, getting to introduce other people to the sport that we love is so important. Um, I guess my third point on the West Coast would be uh, philosophy. So that kind of ties in here. I think the stewardship of the fishery is so important. Um, the same way that my father educated me and introduced me to this industry, I think it's very important for us to do that for others. Every angler's responsibility to educate the general public because most people that surround this lake have no idea the salmon fishing that's out here. And, you know, as far as, you know, conservation, education, preservation, it, it all goes hand in hand. So, yeah, um, I don't know, I've run in circles a bit there, but uh, yeah, the time spent with friends and family on the water is precious. Uh, growing up fishing with family and my father has always been great. I wish you could do more of it now. But uh, I think it ties into us kind of paying it forward to the next generation of anglers, too. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about Bite Me Too Sport Fishing. Uh, okay, so Bite Me Too Sport Fishing is a guided operation by yours truly out of uh, Oakville, Ontario, uh, beautiful Brawny Harbor. Uh, we do groups of two to three. I'm outfitted on a 24-foot striper, fully decked out with all the bells and whistles you could ask for. Um, I don't cater to larger groups, and I do... Um, 
cater more to the the angler that is is serious. I mean, I you know we uh, we operate out of here um, starting in April and run right through till the end of September for the staging fish. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a, a bit of a dream come true. I mean, to get like I said to share uh, what you love to do with other people and get to introduce them to what you're passionate about. I mean, that's that's what guiding is for me. Um, you know, it helps subsidize costs, but it's it's definitely not a moneymaker, never will be. It's more of a passion and a love, right? One of the things that drew me to you is your Instagram account. You've got some awesome photos on there. That's kind of one of the, uh, you're obviously a skilled angler, but I think you do an incredible job with the photos you've been taking. And so tell me a little bit about that and kind of that art form and, and what got you involved into that stuff. Well, I appreciate that very much. It's a bit of a labor of love. Um, it's, uh, it's a challenge, especially when fishing solo or with a group to document kind of while you're trying to perform and fish at the same time. It started early, I guess, um, with photography and a little bit of video and has kind of adopted to this. For the, the average person, again, who's not aware of what's out there, it kind of gives them a, a looking glass in. Um, we run everything from DSLRs to GoPros and I mean, the, the modern iPhone 11 now takes photos that are just phenomenal too, but always trying to get that little bit of an edge, that different angle, that, uh, that view that someone's not accustomed to seeing. Um, added a drone to the Army this year. I'm still getting used to flying it over open water, but it will, will be out there shortly. So I hope to have some different footage for you guys soon too. But yeah, the, uh, the Instagram account is a bit of a labor of love and it, it's... Uh, it's like a photo album too at the end of the year you get to look back and remember some of the memories with the different guests and people and the fish and every day on the water is unique so you know it, it goes by in a flash you leave in the dark you get home at either high sun or in the dark and you know memories are made but to be able to sit there and kind of recapture it later is yeah it's, it's really cool too now, is there anything that i didn't ask you about today that you wanted to talk um I think I just touched base back there on the whole stewardship of the fishery. I think it's really important for people to get involved. Uh, local clubs here, we have the Halton and Salmon Trout Association. I'm also part of the Port Credit one. And over in St. Catharines, uh, the Game and Fish Association. They're all around the lake. They're doing real good things from pen programs to education programs. Um, we do penning here every spring. Um, this year we did not because of COVID, but we take 10,000 Chinooks annually. Uh, raise them to a juvenile age and then they're released out in the lake. Uh, the philosophy there is, is a two to one return rate. So we're trying to give a bit of a pushback and give back to the fishery that, you know, honestly has given us so much. If I sit here and think about everything fishing has done for me, it's, it's wild. So yeah, I, I employ people to get involved. Um, clubs are welcome to new people, volunteers, whether it's cleaning up, you know, watershed that we do a, um, a cleanup of Ronnie Creek every year for garbage, et cetera. Anything you can do that way is great. Um, someone that wants to get involved in fishing out here might not have the resource or the boat. Look into charter captains. There's a wide variety of them across the lake. Really good people, uh, lots of knowledge, lots of experience. Great way to learn. Don't be afraid to get out there and ask questions. I love when people get on board and say, you know, Matt, how do you do this? How does this work? How do I do that? Because we all started in the same place at some point. You know, I didn't know where to start either. I mean, I started out with a 9.9 and a 14-foot tin. So we all start somewhere. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty and ask questions because anyone else out there who's doing this is doing it because it's a labor of love. So, yeah, they'll be more than happy to answer any questions you have. Awesome. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. If you want to learn more about Matt, you can go to his Instagram. He's at 
Bite Me 2 Sport Fishing. That's T-O-O. And you can also find them online at BiteMe2SportFishing.com. Adder Bansky, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate everything. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.